0: Uh, praises be to our loving abba we're gathered once again to study his words and his commandments we have three major questions lined up for today let's begin with the first one which is based on uh, a question concerning the belief that yahusha is God and this person gave some biblical verses which which uh, she says believes that proves that Yahusha is God so let's go ahead and take a look at the basis that are used um, based on Matthew 9, 1, 2, 3, 16 and 16, 26, 63, 64, Mark 14, 61, 62, Luke twenty two seventy 70, John 5, 18, 669, 858, 59, 10, 24 to 33. And also based on the revelation of Yahusha 1, 5 to 8, without shadow without shadow turning, I wholeheartedly proclaim the deity and divinity of Yahushua HaMashiach. So we admire her conviction without shadow of turning, she will hold on to her belief. However, we need to test that belief. And like what we have um, said to all of you watching this program, if you have any uh, biblical passages or verses that you believe is teaching that Yahusha is God, please send them over to the assembly of Yahusha so that we can test them. So we're going to test these passages and what it has to say concerning the deity or um whether or not it teaches that Yahusha is God. Let's begin with Matthew chapter 9, 1 down to 3. This is what it says. So he got into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own city. Then behold, it brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. When Yahusha saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. And at once, some of the scribes Uh, said within themselves, this man blasphemes. And so this is one uh, scriptural text that people use to teach that Yahusha is God. So how do they interpret and explain this passage to suggest that Yahusha could be God? Well, the Bible says that Yahusha said to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you. And after saying that your sins are forgiven you, According to the scribes, he, they said that Yahusha is blaspheming. Why is that? And why do people use this particular text to teach that Yahusha is God? Let's read the book of Mark 2, 6 to 10. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Yahusha knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier uh, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But what? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic. And so why are people using uh, Matthew chapter 9 which states that Yahusha says to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, to, to use that passage to teach that Yahushua is gone. Because according to the teachers of the law, who can forgive sins but God alone? And so because Yahushua was able to forgive sins, they say, Well, Yahushua must be gone. But who is the one who makes the conclusion that only God is able to forgive sins? That's the teaching of the Pharisees, right, the teachers of the law, according to the teachers of the law, only God can forgive sins. However, in this passage, what is Yahusha teaching us? Why did he say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you? To show to the people that he has authority on earth to forgive sins. The son of man is referred to here as Yahusha. Yahusha is teaching the people that he is the fulfillment of the son of man prophesied in scripture and that he has been given the right and authority to forgive sins and so if someone has been given authority to forgive sins that someone can forgive sins but who is the one who gives authority to forgive sins who is it it's Yahuwah so Yahuwah yes he is able to forgive sins but the one whom he assigns with the authority to forgive sins, that someone can also forgive sins. And so, how does Yahushua possess the authority to forgive sins? In Matthew 28, verse 18, and Yahushua came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. What does Yahushua HaMashiach teach concerning his authority? And his power. Bible says all authority has been given to me. Now let's think about that for a while. If Yahusha is truly God. Then would authority be needed to be given to him? Of course not. If Yahusha is truly God. It would be inherent in him to have authority in heaven and on earth. But the Bible makes it clear. Authority has been given to Yahusha. Who is the giver of this authority? Yahuwah Abba. Yahuwah Abba has given authority to Yahusha in heaven and on earth. And what does this authority include? Let's read the book of Acts 5.31. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. And so what is included in the authority that Yahuwah God has given to his son, Yahushua. It includes forgiveness of sins. This is why when Yahushua proclaimed to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, Yahushua is able to do this as authorized by who? Yahuwah our God. Does it mean that Yahushua after receiving the authority to forgive sins, does that make him equal now with Yahuwah God? Let's read Corinthians 15, 27 to 28, For the scriptures say, God has put all things under his authority. Of course, when it says all things are under his authority, that does not include God himself who gave Christ his authority. Then when all things are under his authority, the son will put himself under God's authority so that God who gave his son authority over all things will be utterly supreme over everything, everywhere. That's very clear. And it shows us that Yahushua, although he has authority over heaven and earth, is not God who gave him the authority. In fact, Apostle Paul even confirms that after all things have been given to Christ in his authority. What will the son do? Bible says the son will put himself under God's authority. So that God who gave his son authority over all things will be utterly supreme over everything, everywhere. And so if Yahushua, the son, is also God, then we will have God, the father, who gave all things to Yahusha but is under yahuwah the father and so we would have one god who is greater than another god that is not biblical the bible teaches only one true god who is that the father and not the son so when the son is able to forgive sins it is because yahuwah the father has given him authority to do so. So that's Matthew 9, 1, 3. Let's go to Matthew 16, 16. We're not going to go through all the verses, or the rest of the verses, because they basically say the same thing, which is recorded in Matthew 16, 16. So Matthew 9, 1, to 3, the proof text there is about Yahusha able to forgive sins. In Matthew 16, and the other passages included there, you can check it out in your own Bible if you want to, Uh, but the other passages have the same theme. What is that? Matthew 16, 16 Simon Peter answered you are the Christ the son of the living God and so that's what it says in Matthew 16 16 and the other biblical passages and so it does not teach that Yahushua is God what does it say he is the son of God there's a big difference between God the son and son of God the Bible nowhere teaches that Yahushua is God the son it teaches he is the son Of the living God. What does it mean that he is the son of the living God? In Hebrews 1 5, for God never said to any angel what he said to Yahushua, You are my son. Today I have become your father. God also said, I will be his father and he will be my son. What does it mean that Yahushua is the son of God? Yahuwah, our father, chose Yahushua, even though he is created lower than the angels. Yahuwah chose him to be crowned with glory and honor as the savior of humanity. And so he was declared to be son by the father. That's why it says, Today I have become your father. And so this even shows us that Yahusha cannot be God because he is the son of God, one who was exalted by Yahuwah and given authority. In heaven and on earth. For a more complete answer, please refer to our BHP lesson entitled From Christ to Trinity. Okay. Alright, let's go to our next major question. It's in Tagalog. May tanong lang ako. Meron po bang pagkakataon o talata sa Biblia? Na ginamito tinawag ng Panginoon sa Kristo ang Diyos na Yahuwah dahil kung meron at totoo na Yahua ang pangalan ng Diyos. Di sana itinuro ito na ka Felix dahil siya nga ang sugo sa mga huling araw. Isa pa po, iba sabi, YHWH ang pangalan ng Diyos. E nasan po yung letter W sa Yahua, Di ba bawal magbawas at magdagdag, nituldok o kudlit man? E yan pong letter W po ay nabawas. Okay, so that's what it says. that Those are basically two questions. just translate the question. I have a question. Was there an instance or verse in the Bible where the Lord Jesus Christ called God Yahuwah? Because if God has a name and his name is Yahuwah, then Brother Felix Manala should have taught this since Brother Felix is a messenger of God in the last days. One more thing. If YHWH is the name of God, then where is the letter W in Yahuwah? Isn't it forbidden to add or subtract even one jot or tittle and you remove the entire letter W? Okay, all right, so we'll go ahead and go to the first question, which is, I have a question. Was there ever an instance in the Holy Bible where Yahusha called God Yahuwah? Yes, there's plenty in the book of Luke 4, 16 to 18. And he came to Nazareth when he had been, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, look and behold, and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The spirit of Yahuwah is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. What is one instance in the Bible where Yahusha? Referred to Yahuwah as by his name, Yahuwah, in the book of Luke, 4:16 to 18. In this event, what was Yehusha doing? During a Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue. And in the synagogue, he read a prophecy in Isaiah, because that would be the proof that he is the prophesied Messiah. And what did he say concerning his authority to preach the gospel? Yahusha said, the spirit of Yahuwah is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel. And so Yahushua used the name of Yahuwah as authority or has proof, uses uh, the name of Yahuwah for his authority to preach the gospel. And so here Yahushua is using the name of Yahuwah for his commissioning to fulfill his ministry as Mashiach or the Anointed One. When else did Yahusha use the name of Yahuwah? Matthew 4 7 to 11. Yahusha said to him, It is written again, you shall not tempt Yahuwah, you're gone. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory and he said to him all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me then Yahusha said to him away with you Satan for it is written you shall worship Yahuwah your God and him only you shall serve then the devil left him and behold angels came and ministered to him when also did Yahusha use the name of Yahuwah When he was being tempted by the devil. And so he mentioned the name of Yahuwah and said, Yahuwah is the one God that we must worship. And so, in the first instance that Yahusha uses the name of Yahuwah, it was to prove his authority to preach the gospel. Another instance was when Yahusha used the name of Yahuwah to refer to the God that we ought to be worshiping. And so it's not true. Those who say Yahusha never called God Yahuwah, and he never used the name of God as Yahuwah, it's not true. He did use the name of Yahuwah to refer to the only true God, okay? So that's uh, one question. That's the, the, the first part of the question. Let's go to the second part of the question. One more thing. if Y-H-W-H is the name of God, then where is the letter W in Yahuwah? Well, I think this is a, the person asking the question is misunderstanding what Y-H-W stands for. Y-H-W-H, the question is, um, the name of, is it the name of God, where's the letter W? The, the letter W is not in the name of God. The letter Y-H-W-H, they're not in the name of God because the name of god is composed only of how many letters four letters right and the four letters is not y-h-w-h it is the tetragrammatic right you got the yod the hey the vow and the hey those are the four letters of the tetragrammaton. it's not the y no h no w the name of God is represented by these four Hebrew letters. And the way we get Yahuwah is not by saying that the letter Y-A-H is in the name of Yahuwah. Because if that's the case, well, how many letters do you have in Yahuwah? One, two, three, four, five, six. or six letters in Yahuwah. How many letters in the Hebrew name of God? Only four. And so there's, a, there's this misunderstanding uh, that the person asking the question has. Which is, he thinks that Y-A-H-U-A-H are all in the name of God. No, the name of God is composed of four Hebrew letters. Yahuwah is simply a transliteration. What is a transliteration? It is spelled in English so that it matches how it is, tr- how, it, how it sounds when the name is being pronounced. So it's a transliteration. And how this, transliter- how this transliteration works is we have the Y H W H, right? It it stands for Y Yod Hey H Hey W Wow H Hey. It stands for the four Hebrew letters, and the pronunciation of these Hebrew letters when you put the names the put the letters together comes out to be Yod. It's pronounced with a yeah, with a yes what uh, the one the hey with an ah sound the wow with an ooh sound and the hey with an ah sound so the w its pronunciation is the ooh sound not the w sound hence you get yahuwah and so um you don't have the letter w we're not adding or subtracting anything from the name of yahuwah it's the understanding of how the W is not a letter, it's not an actual letter of the Tetragrammaton. It represents the WOW, which is the third letter of the Tetragrammaton in the name of Yahuwah, our God. Okay? Alright, let's go to another question. I think this is the same person who asked the question. Isa pa pong tanong, kung ang na ang ginamit ay Ama at Dios kapag siya ay nananalangin, at matawag maging nang siya ay ipinako na sa krus, ay umakyat sa langit at ngayon ay nasa piling na ng Ama, ibig sabihin sa pagtawag ng Ama at Diyos ay sapat upang ikaw ay maligtas tulad ng Panginoon Kristo at siya rin itinuro ng Ka Felix na ang nakasulat sa Biblia ay sapat na upang ikaligtas. So in translation of to English, one more question. If our Lord Jesus Christ, who referred to God as Father when praying, even while nailed on the cross, and now after ascending to heaven in the presence of the Father, this means that using Father and God is enough in order to be saved, just like what the Lord Jesus Christ said, which was also taught by Brother Felix that is written in the Bible. So I just want to make a comment concerning this, okay, the assembly of Yahushua, we we have never taught. Uh, That if a person does not call upon God as Yahuwah, he or she will not be saved. We never said anything like that. What we said, what we taught, and what we continue to teach are the following. Number one, according to God's plan, his people will call him by his name. Number two, those who call upon the name of Yahuwah will be saved. Those are the two things that we taught and continue to teach. Why do we teach these particular points because it is biblical. We challenge you. Try to refute the biblical uh, teachings that we're going to present now. For example, according to God's plan, his people will call him by his name. Is this biblical? Absolutely. Take a look at the book of Isaiah 56.6. And foreigners, these are not just the Israelites, these are foreigners who bind themselves to Yahuwah to serve him to love the name of Yahuwah, and to worship him, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it, and who hold fast to my covenant. It's interesting that the prophet Isaiah speaking of people during the end times that foreigners or non-Israelites, Yahuwah God wants them to keep what? The Sabbath. That's just interesting, right? So even if they're not Israelites, Yahuwah's will is that they keep the Sabbath. This is why people who say the Sabbath is only for the Israelites, they do not know the heart and mind of God. Yahuwah clearly wants all people, Israelites and foreigners, to keep the Sabbath. It's not just for the Jewish people or for Hebrews only. But the Bible also makes clear that he wants people to love his name. What is his name? To love the name of Yahuwah. As we worship him. So this is what God wants. This is his will. And we in the assembly of Yahushua, we want to please the will of Yahuwah Abba. And so if that's what he wants, then that's what we'll do. Because we are here not to please Brother Felix Manalo. We are here not to please Brother Irani Manalo or Brother Eduardo Manalo. We're not here to please any human being. We're here to please who? Yahuwah Abba. What does Yahuwah Abba want? Keep the Sabbath. We do that. What does Yahuwah Abba want? Love his name. We do that as well. And what is Yahuwah God's plan concerning his name? Isaiah 52 verse 6. But I will reveal my name to my people, and they will come to know its power. Then at last, they will recognize that I am the one who speaks to them. And so there are people of God who do not know his name, right? However, time will come, Yahuwah says, that he's going to reveal his name to his people. That's why it says, then at last, they will recognize that I am the one who speaks to them. During the days of Brother Felix Manala, Brother Irani Manala, were they the people of God? Were we the people of God? Yes. But even though we did not know him as the Yahuwah, we still are the people of God. But the Bible says, That there will be a time when at last they will recognize that Yahuwah, that he's the one speaking to us all along. And so the revelation of his name, it doesn't have to happen during the days of Brother Felix Manalo. It can happen after the days of Brother Felix Manalo. Because those who were worshiping God before they knew the name, their worship were still being accepted by Yahuwah Abba. Okay. And when will this be? When will Yahuwah Abba reveal his name? Zechariah 13:9. This third I will bring into the fire. I will refine them like silver and test them like gold. They will call on my name and I will answer them. I will say, They are my people, and they will say, Yahuwah is our God. And so According to scriptures, there's a third group. So if you believe you are part of the third group, then this prophecy applies to you. Because you believe Brother Felix Manalo is a messenger of God, then this passage applies to you. You are part of the third group. What does the Bible teach concerning the third group? Whether you would like to admit it or not, time will come. After the testing, what's going to happen to the third group? They're going to call upon the name of Yahuwah. And what will they say? Yahuwah is our God. Am I the one saying that? No, it's not me. Prophet Zechariah said, this is what is going to happen. It's a prophecy. And it has been fulfilled. Because indeed, we have called upon God as our, uh, we call upon Yahuwah as our God. We call upon him when we pray. And Yahuwah God answers us. So you cannot deny the prophecy. You cannot deny the scriptures. And so we teach. Number one, according to God's plan, his people will call him by his name. It is biblical, and there's nothing anyone can do to refute the biblical passages. Number two, those who call upon the name of Yahuwah will be saved. Again, did we make this up? No, we did not. We just got it from Scripture. In the book of Romans 10, 9 to 13, this is Apostle Paul teaching about those who are going to be saying that if you confess with your mouth, On the name of Yahuwah shall be saved. And so Apostle Paul, teaching about the essentials of salvation, what did he say? Well, we need to first of all confess that Yahushua is the son of God, that he was raised from the dead. Do we believe that? That's good. But Apostle Paul also says, we call on the name of Yahuwah and will be saved. And so that's written in the Holy Bible. You cannot just erase verse 13. Can we say, okay, because Brother Felix Manalo did not teach it, we're just going to erase verse 13. Are we going to do that? No. Why? It's written in the Holy Bible. You can read it for yourself. For whoever calls on the name of Yahuwah shall be saved. And so it is clear from Scripture. Is it relevant to us today? Absolutely. Let's take a look at the book of Acts 2, 17 and 21. In the last days, that includes our days, right? God says, I will pour my spirit on everyone. Your sons and daughters will speak what God has revealed. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour my spirit on my servants, on both men and women. They will speak what God has revealed. I will work miracles in the sky and give signs on the earth, blood, fire, and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark, and the moon will become as red as blood before the terrifying day of the Lord comes. Then whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The word Lord there, what is that? That's the tetragrammaton. That's the name of Yahuwah. This is why at the latter parts of the last days, which pertains to us today what is the declaration of prophecy the bible says before the terrifying day of yahuwah comes those who call upon the name of yahuwah will be saved again we did not invent this we got this from the holy scriptures and so uh, this is what we teach number one according to god's plan his people will call him by his name his name is yahuwah number two Those who call upon the name of Yahuwah will be saved. We never taught that if you do not do this, if you do not call upon Yahuwah God as Yahuwah, then you're not going to be saved. We never said that. That's up to God. What we said is if we call upon Yahuwah, then we are fulfilling God's plan because he wants his people to call him Yahuwah. That's his name. And those who call him Yahuwah will receive salvation. That's what we teach No no more, no less, because that's what is recorded in the Holy Scriptures. Did Brother Felix Manalo teach that? Probably not. Does it matter? No, because what matters is what the Bible teaches, not what man here on earth teaches, but what the Bible teaches us. We need to hold on to what God has to say to each and every one of us. Okay. All right. Let's go to our final question for today. I was wondering how we can correct. Others, who should we correct? Should we only correct the fellow brothers or strangers too? When someone, even if it's a stranger, breaks a commandment or goes against the teachings in the Bible, should we still interfere and tell them to change? How can we also tackle the awkward situations where someone, maybe a stranger, commits a sin like sexual immorality? And so that's a very difficult uh, thing to do, to correct someone, right? Maybe it's someone that you love, maybe it's your kid, maybe it's your best friend. You know, they're doing something wrong and you wanna correct them. Sometimes it can backfire, right? You correct someone instead of um, changing what what oftentimes happens instead. They get upset and defensive. And so it kind of backfires on you, right? And so should we correct, not correct? What should we do? And so what does the Bible teach us concerning correcting other people? What's the best way to do it? When should we do it? For example, should we correct strangers? Should we correct a brother or sister when they're doing something clearly, clearly wrong? Well, let's go ahead and look for guidance. In the book of Matthew uh, 7 and the verse is 6, don't waste what is holy, on people who are unholy, don't throw your pearls to pigs. They will trample the pearls, then turn and attack you. And so this is one bit of advice from our King Yahushua concerning when uh, to correct someone and when not to correct someone. What's the first thing that we need to do? We need to apply wisdom. We need to apply discernment. Will this person benefit from what I'm going to try to do, Right. Because if not, then instead of being happy with what you did, did, they will turn around and attack you, right? And so we need to qualify first. The person who I want to correct is this person, someone who is willing to listen to what I have to say. If a person is not holy, if a person is not interested in what the Bible says, maybe a stranger who's doing acts of sexual immorality. If you tell that person not to commit fornication, but that person doesn't believe the Bible, do you think that's going to help? No. He's just going to turn around and attack you and persecute you. So the first thing we need to do is qualify. Will this person benefit from what I have to say? Because if not, and you tell them about the Bible, even though they don't believe the Bible, then it's like throwing pearls to pigs. Okay, so let's be wise when it comes to whom we share uh, the gospel With what else is the advice of scripture? Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 23 but keep away from foolish and ignorant arguments. You know that they end up in quarrels. When should we correct? Whenever what is being corrected is worth fighting for, right? If it's something that's not really relevant to salvation, if it's something that's not important why even bother? It's just going to end up in quarrels. And so not only must we qualify the person, we need to also qualify what needs changing, right? We need to qualify also the, uh, what the, the uh, behavior or something that needs to be changed. Is it important enough? If it's not important enough, if it doesn't pertain to salvation, well, maybe it's not really a good idea to press on if in the past it has only led to arguments and quarrels, okay? What else does the Bible teach us? So if it's something worth talking about because it pertains to your salvation and to your well-being, okay, because there are some subjects that are not really relevant to our well-being and our salvation, that we should just ignore and tolerate, right? But there are events, there are certain things, there there are actions and beliefs that do need to be addressed. And so what do we do in cases like that? Let's read 24 to 25. Ask the Lord's servant, you must not quarrel. You must be kind toward all, a good and patient teacher, who is gentle as you correct your opponent's. Or it may be that God will give them the opportunity to repent and come to know the truth. And so if you want to correct a person because maybe this person, let's say, believes in the Trinity, right? Or maybe this person doesn't believe in the Bible and you want to convince this person to believe in the Bible. So how do we go about doing something like that? The Bible says we have to begin with kindness. Do you get that? Because if you're going to begin With being unkind, you're gonna shut that person off. You need to be kind. Kindness opens the heart and the mind. And so if you speak to someone and they're not, it's not coming from a place of kindness, then we're basically wasting the opportunity. It's like uh, what an intelligent person once told me a couple of days ago. If you want to plant the seeds and the soil is like clay, you need to water it first, right? Loosen the soil, and then you plant. And so you need to show kindness because some kindness has a way of loosening the soil of your heart. And so you can begin to plant. So if you're going to correct someone, it must begin with a good relationship. Okay. So if you're planning to correct a person, for example, because maybe they don't believe in God. Okay. Well, what is your relationship with this person? Is he a perfect stranger? (laughs) I guarantee you, if he's a perfect stranger and you try to convince him to believe in God and to abandon his atheistic ways, it might backfire on you. But if you establish a relationship with him or her first, right, and you're kind to him, then what do you do? You loosen the clay. It becomes soft. And now you can plant those ideas, right? So it begins with kindness. What else? The Bible says you need to be gentle as you correct your opponents, and so we have to be gentle in our approach. Because if we are harsh in our approach, what do you think the person's going to do? The person will never listen to you again. We have to be gentle in our approach. Not only must we be gentle and kind, the Bible says we have to be patient. Do not rush them into making the change. Because if we pressure them, what do you think is going to happen? They're not going to have good relationships with you anymore. And so, these three things we need to apply when we want to change a person. First, establish a relationship with that person, a kind, show kindness to that person. Number two, be gentle when you have to correct. Number three, be patient with the individual. Now, how can we show gentleness when we have to correct a person? The book of James, 1 19 to 20. Remember this, my dear friends, everyone must be quick to listen but slow to speak and slow to become angry. Human anger does not achieve God's righteous purpose. So what must we do uh, if we really want to change a person? First thing we need to do is learn how to listen. Because sometimes um, when they are resisting what we believe is good for them, it's because we're not understanding their point of view. And so we need to develop that skill, brethren of understanding the other person's point of view, because their point of view is different from ours, right? For example, a person who believes that Yahusha is God, and sometimes we are triggered when they say that, and we get all upset, and we try to change them, but it backfires because we're not taking the time to listen to them. Why are they not, why are they believing that? And so one of the best ways to do, one of the best things to do Okay, so that we can learn to listen is to be curious and ask a lot of questions, really ask questions because you want to learn the person's point of reference, point of view. When you do that, they are less defensive and it makes them think. And when they're thinking, then you have made progress. But if you're just attacking with bullet points after bullet points of proof and evidence, that's not going to work. You ask questions out of curiosity to show them that you are listening to what they are saying. And here's a a thing we also need to understand. If we are not quick to listen, there's a tendency that we become angry. And so you never, ever correct someone with an angry tone. Because if you correct someone with an angry tone, again, it's going to be one voice becoming louder than the other voice. And it's going to be about which one can... Shout the loudest, and it's not going to achieve the righteous purpose of Yahuwah, our God. And we have to be slow to speak because the Bible says be gentle, right? You know how you can be gentle when it when it comes to correcting individuals? Number one, lower your volume. Number two, slow down your speech. You notice when people are angry, what happens to the to their speech? What are the characteristics of angry speech? Huh? What is it? They speak fast, loud, and, and uh, high-pitched maybe, right? And so what do you do? You slow down your voice, right? Um, okay, so you believe that uh, Yahusha is God because, well, Yahusha is forgiving sins. That's a good point. Um, but could there be another possibility, right? You slow down, right? and you lower the tone of your voice. You lower the volume of your voice. And so that's how you gently answer because if we are going to be loud in our answer, it's going to provoke anger. But if we're slow to speak, soft in speech, gentle in speech, it's going to get them to listen to whatever we have to say. What else? The book of Galatians 6, 1 to 2, my friends, If someone is caught in any kind of wrongdoing, those of you who are spiritual should set him right. But you must do it in a gentle way and keep an eye on yourself so that you will not be tempted to. Help carry one another's burdens. And in this way, you will obey the law of Christ. What also does the Bible teach us when when we are correcting other people? In this case, we are correcting a fellow Christian because he has been caught in some kind of wrongdoing. And so we set him right. That is the way of correcting. So how do we do it? Again, the Bible says in a gentle way. And so what's included in this instruction to correct in a gentle way? One part, I believe, is the timing of the timing of it all, right? The perfect timing, because there are times when it's not a good time to make conversation for the purpose of change. And so the timing is really, really significant. And again, be gentle. However, at the same time, when we want other people to change, we have to be willing to support that change. Do you get that? That's why in verse two, it says, help carry one another's burdens. And so when the other person is seeing that we are willing to support the kind of change, maybe... This person is living in adultery or fornication. And we want this person to come out of this sexual immorality. We have to show the person that you're willing to help this person change. Maybe they don't have a place where they can stay. They have really no choice but to stay in an adulterous affair. But if you tell them, you know what, I'll help you out. You can stay over at our house for for a while until you are able to find your own place, right? And so you're able to support the change. You don't just tell them what to do. You tell them, look, brother, sister, I want you to change. And I'm willing to help you. Whatever I can do to help you, I will do. And so we help the other person carry the burden. If we do this, Bible says we fulfill or obey the law of Christ. Do you know what the law of Christ is? One more passage before we pray. And this should be the foundation of doing anything or changing anyone that matter okay so if you want to change a person this should be the motivation this should be what is it i think you kind of know the answer what do you think it is what should be your prime motivation when you want to change another person huh pride you want to show that you're more knowledgeable than the other person is that it you want to show you're superior you want to do this in a condescending way because some people do that you know they want to correct someone because they feel better than them it makes them feel good about themselves when they help someone out is that the motivation what should it be the book of john 13 34 35 a new command i give you love one another as i have loved you so you must love one another by th- by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another brethren this should be our motivation to get someone to change so if you have you're thinking of someone that you want to change, ask yourself, do you love that person? Why do you want him or her to change? Is it because of love? If it is, pursue it. Pursue it. But at the same time, be gentle, be kind, be patient, right? And learn how to listen so that we can get to the root of the matter and support the change as best as you can, motivated by love, loving that person, and most of all, because you love, Yahuwah. God and Yahusha HaMashiach, okay? That is our lesson for today. Let us stand and we shall pray together. Everlasting and most holy, Yahuwah Abba. Yes. Thank you so much for blessing us with wisdom. Yes. Thank you so much for giving us answers yes. to the questions people ask. Help us, yes. Father, to grow in wisdom, yes. to grow in faith. That we can draw nearer and nearer to you. Yahusha, our loving Mashiach. May you increase our faith. And may you always be in our hearts and our minds. So that every decision we make shall have your approval. And it will lead to strengthening of faith. And also will lead others Many more people to seek you out. Father, please bless your people throughout the world. Keep us safe and protect us at all times. Deliver us, please, from all wickedness. We ask everything loving Abba in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahushua HaMashiach. Amen. Amen.